You're listening to Coast to Coast Latino. These are the Texicana Mamas. That's Tejicana Mamas. They're out of Texas. Three incredible performers, country western singers, writers, uh, with a career of their own, but they came together. It's comprised of uh, Stephanie Urbina Jones. Stephanie was the first one to bring a mariachi to the Grand Ole Opry. Patricia Vaughn, a ninth generation Tejana who uh, uh, performed also uh, in many, many concerts, but more importantly, she also came out in numerous movies, including Spy Kids. Tish Hinojosa is a folk singer, songwriter, uh, who gained a lot of fame in uh, not only Texas, but throughout the entire West. Uh, she was especially popular in the 90s uh, at universities, colleges and universities. They've come together, they put together an album called the Texicana Mamas. If you get a chance, check them out. They're available on iTunes. They're also uh, available on YouTube. So if you want to check out their video, and by the way, this particular song uh, called the uh, Cocina de Amor, is a very fun song so uh and the video is a lot of fun too so if you get a chance cocina de amor the texacana mamas check them out on youtube my name is adrian perez i'm your host here at coast to coast latino i want to thank you for joining me this friday uh december 4th and uh here we are approximately 48 out, uh, days out from uh getting a new president in the White House, but uh, in the meantime, we have a bigger issue, and uh, the whole country right now is facing a very, very difficult time with this pandemic called COVID-19. COVID-19 is a very serious uh, problem for uh, everyone, and if you're not following the basic instructions uh, that uh, health experts are telling us to follow, such as wearing a mask, washing our hands regularly, social distancing, avoid large crowds. Um, you know, you have a very high chance of getting COVID-19. And, and this is especially true for our young, because many of our young decided uh, that they were going to go out as, as the economy started to open up. They, they went out, drank a little bit, felt comfortable, felt energetic and uh, started taking their mask off, uh, started relaxing, not washing their hands, etc. And uh, as a result, the problem has gone back up. And uh, what we do is, we, you know, when you look at the numbers across the United States, it's a lot of the states that have Latinos in them. And so we should be extra careful because we Latinos have a lot of underlying uh, circumstances that could make uh, COVID-19 a lot worse for us. Uh, we have diabetes, we have high blood pressure, uh, and and we're also, you know, frontline workers, which tells us that 
it's even more the reason why we have to be extra careful. Uh, but we still want to hold our quinceañeras. We want to hold our birthday parties. Uh, we want to do our our uh, our big uh, family gatherings. And uh, let's face it, this year is is not a good year to do things like that because of the huge number of Latinos being infected by COVID-19. It's so bad that in the city with the second largest number of Hispanic people in the world, Los Angeles, California, uh, the uh, mayor, Mayor uh, Grassetti, uh, has declared a uh, stay-at-home order to try to to try to bend this thing, to try to take control of this thing. You see, I, and I've shared this before. Hospital ICU units are very expensive. First of all, they're very expensive to 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 uh, to make. Um, add to that the uh, six to eight staff people per patient that are required, doctors, nurses, uh, technicians, etc. So it, it, it becomes a, an extremely expensive and very difficult thing to be able to, to, um, to address when you don't have the number of staff and when you have a small hospital with just a few ICU units and uh, we, especially in uh, in Texas and California, we're seeing the problems with those smaller hospitals, primarily in rural areas, because rural hospitals were never designed to handle huge numbers of of people. Uh, design. It's like everything else. Okay, when you when you design a hospital. You look at the population you're going to be serving, and then you make uh, estimates of how many people are going to get ill, how many people are going to need hospitalization, etc. Well, COVID-19 has blown those statistics for them way out of uh, proportion. And so the best thing that elected officials can do is turn around and start talking about essentially closing the economy back up when they start telling you stay at home. Now, we have some issues with some governors who have uh, have uh, told us one thing, and then we see them doing exactly the opposite. That includes Governor Gavin Newsom of California, who uh, went out to a birthday party, didn't do any social distancing, uh, the crowd was massive, didn't have a mask on, Etc. He tried to apologize for it, but you know what? The problem is, is that it's very difficult to believe someone who's telling you to stay at home, cover up, wash, you know, all this stuff, and yet they don't practice it themselves. And what's even more difficult is when it's not just a a governor, but numerous legislators. And I know that people have been saying, well, you know, the Republicans have been very uh very relaxed about this whole idea of the pandemic they haven't been supporting it well guess what i think republican governors in many states right now are extremely concerned about what's going on as a result they're taking it very seriously and not only are they 
uh, practicing what they preach, but they're also taking very dynamic steps to ensure that, that COVID-19 is no longer spread. In California, what do we have? We have a bunch of legislators that took off out of state uh, to essentially a, a gigantic political party that's that's put on by, by some lobbyists and uh, all Democrats, by the way, and and then they come back and they start telling us, oh, well, you got to shut down your restaurant. No, no more eating in your restaurants. Uh, you know what, folks? It's hard to believe these guys when they are not practicing what they preach, you know, and in fact, you know, in, in, especially in California, where where many of us felt, okay, the governor's very serious about this. This is back in March, where Governor Newsom is very serious about it. He's taking proper steps. He, California was the first one to do a stay-at-home stay order, okay, in order to curb this thing. Now he wants to do a stay-at-home order, and at the same time, he's telling restaurants, you have to sh uh, shut down either that or eating is only available through drive-thrus. Well, a lot of the restaurants are not set up for drive-through, and and many of the restaurants, uh, it it's uh, it it it's becoming even more difficult for them to survive. And here's the weird thing about it. Okay, so you can't go to a restaurant and eat. But guess what? You can go to a, a tattoo parlor and get a tattoo. Or you can go to a massage parlor and get a massage. But you can't go into a restaurant and eat. Let me tell you, a lot of the restaurants, and I and I understand the, the frustration of, of many of the restaurants because what they've done is they've, they have followed everything that they've been asked to do down to a T okay the separation of tables the the mask requirements and in many cases uh, taking the temperature of individuals checking their temperature as they come in uh, they have done so many things to comply but yet we don't know what is really going on inside a massage parlor or inside a tattoo parlor are they also complying are they cleaning up after themselves and sanitizing things we don't know but restaurants are doing it and they're doing it very aggressively the impact on latino businesses is especially terrible because it costs a lot of money to set up a drive through system it's not cheap and and for those restaurants that went out and spent tons of money to meet all the health department requirements, such as spacing out the tables and 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 buying uh, temperature gauges and training all their staff, getting all the proper protection for their staff, uh, etc. That's expensive. Somebody has to pay that bill, and they don't want to pass it on to an already overburdened uh, uh, community because those communities, quite frankly, are, are, are uh, finding it difficult to make ends meet.
You see, many service workers were let go of back in March, April, and May. That's why we saw these gigantic numbers of people filing for unemployment benefits. And so here we are, Christmas time, and many of them still don't have jobs. And those that do get uh, got a job are no longer doing service work. And uh, again, the most frustrating thing are the business owners who are saying, look, I, we can't do this. We're not a major corporation. So what do we look for? How do we fix this? How do we implement a better system? And I, and, and I hope that uh, for those of you that are, that are politicians or, or lobbyists or individuals, uh, involved in uh, in public policy setting, I want to share something with you. Whenever a, a public policy idea comes up, you have to talk to the industries. You can't just arbitrarily say, oh, we're going to shut this down or we're going to... No, you got to talk to the industries because the impact that you're having is very significant. I don't know how many of you noticed, but the entire United States became more conservative. All we need to do is look and see how they voted. And in California, and I mentioned this uh, a couple of days ago, in California, 70% of the voters voted for Joe Biden, but yet the number of Republican representatives in Congress went up. Okay, we in California killed anything that had to do with new taxes, added expenses in our wallets, because we've become more conservative. And the more we struggle, the more conservative we become. That's just natural. And for those of you who are talking about, well, you know, they also they also shut down churches. Understand that that's very different. Because in a church, unless you're doing the social distancing, wearing of the masks, and, and for those of you who love to sing and know that you have an incredible voice, and being told not to sing, especially hymns to Jesus, uh... That is, quite frankly, for everyone's protection. But there is this push by many, uh, primarily evangelicals, to get people to come out to the church, to get people to come out and sing and pray, and in some cases, not wear masks. That's when we run into problems. That's why so many churches have seen an increase of COVID-19 in their congregations. What we need to do, folks, is we need to pay attention, again, to the different industries, and that includes church, and ask ourselves, we do we have enough data from the last eight months to be able to make an assessment and a, and a determination as to whether or not we are pushing good public policy to address COVID-19. Now on the total upside is 
there's a vaccine available and uh i think i think it's interesting that england is is the one that uh that is going to be issuing one vaccine there's three vaccines now but they're going to be issuing one vaccine beginning next week the u.s hopefully will be issuing vaccines next week um in russia they've already started doing vaccines but you know those people are under a uh, an authoritarian rule and uh president valdemar uh, putin without a doubt is is ensuring that everybody gets vaccinated whether they like it or not here in the u.s we do have an option and there's going to be a lot of people that are going to say no 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 you can't you can't vaccinate me and the anti-vaxxers especially are the ones that are starting to spread bad information about vaccines that it alters your dna that it does this and that and and it's all about government control and you know what if you're going to believe that and you get covid 19 you're going to die you have to understand that the whole idea is to prevent the distribution the sharing of this deadly virus amongst the entire human being population and we are all human beings it doesn't matter what race color creed etc we are all human beings and for those of you that are uh uh religious and and have made a decision to go to your church do me a favor read your bible don't wait for uh, someone to be able to translate it for you read it it's a great document that shows us how we should live not how we should die how we should live and one of the first things the bible says is that god is everywhere what gives you the idea that he can't hear you if you make a decision to pray at home versus in a congregation in a grouping of of people anyway that's uh that's food for thought for all of you uh my point is this covid-19 is extremely serious covid-19 is something that you have to take serious and do i feel the frustration of not being going not able to to go out absolutely in my business my job is to go out and talk to people get to know them enjoy time with them do i miss going out and having coffee with my clients yeah do i miss the people that i that i frequented and met at all these established establishments yes do i miss the friends that i created the establishment owners yes and it's heartbreaking to see many of those establishment owners go down in flames because of this ugly virus that has not only impacted us in terms of our health but economically as well and latino kids are also suffering they're suffering quite a bit uh there's an article that came out in the new york times that talks about how families and community organizations 
in Los Angeles and Oakland, California, have filed a lawsuit saying that it has failed during the pandemic to provide low-income black and Latino students the free and equal education that the state constitution guarantees. So it's gone up to the constitutional level and will the lawsuit prevail? Well, let's let's look at uh, exactly at uh, what the lawsuit says. It says that uh, California has failed to provide critical equipment, support, and oversight as public schools have shifted to remote instruction in their effort to prevent the spread of coronavirus. It says parents and grandparents have had to become tutors, counselors, and computer technicians because of an inadequate response. And uh, by the way, uh, I don't know how many of you are, are uh, aware of this, but many of the Latino kids are also experiencing the lack of access to the internet. And so, if you're gonna if you're gonna push for equal education. You got to provide all the services. You got to understand exactly who you are servicing. So it goes back to the same concept that I shared uh, earlier about, uh, especially public policymakers. You got to understand your audience. You got to understand your clientele. You 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 gotta you gotta look at every segment. You can't just uh, throw an idea out there and make it happen. Uh, now, knowing, especially in California, knowing that the majority of the kids in the schools, public schools, are Latino, and knowing that Latinos still don't, are not getting the proper education that is essential for our Latino children to succeed in life, but, you know, we have administrators, school administrators, that are failing to look at at the uh, services that are lacking in the different communities, and that includes internet access. But this particular lawsuit, I think, is going to be very interesting. It was filed at uh, at the Alameda Superior Court, and it's one of those court cases that I believe, if it doesn't go on uh, for the uh, children the families and and the organizations that filed the uh, lawsuits, I strongly believe that what's going to happen is it's going to become a a landmark decision because what we're talking about is race, we're talking about ethnicity, and we're talking about equality. And so when you have Latinos that are not being provided all the... uh, all the tools to successfully get an education, which is guaranteed by the Constitution, you're going. We're going to see some some uh, very interesting challenges to that particular part of the Constitution. In other Latino news, the Connecticut Board of Education has approved a new course on black and Latino studies. In other words, Connecticut high school students will now be required uh, to receive African-American, Latino, and Puerto Rican studies in order to be able to make a more 
uh, sensitive. Now, the uh, Connecticut Board of uh, Education unanimously approved this. And the uh, executive director of the state education resource in Connecticut, uh, Ingrid Kennedy, said this is the beginning. Legislators, they are very clear that the goal is for this to happen across every single grade level. The schools are going to start uh, 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 in incorporating this elective, uh, uh, these elective courses in 2021 academic year but uh, for sure they need to have them on board by 2022 because between 2022 and 2024 they're going to be auditing to ensure that uh, black and uh, latino uh, classes are being offered uh, very significant and this is the state of connecticut uh uh, I think I think when we look at uh, states like Texas and Arizona, even California, you would have figured that that those would have been the first states to do this, but no, this was the state of Connecticut. How about that? Uh, bravo to them! And why am I always uh, harping on education and the importance of education? Well, there was uh, this week, this past week, there was an article in Axios that talked about uh, Latinos in executive positions. And uh, it's, it, it's very clear why all of this data matters. That's because by 2050, the U.S. population will be one quarter Latinos. 25% of the U.S. population is going to be Latino. That means that one out of every four Americans is going to be Latino. So it's critical that we uh, begin to merge, to begin to be part of the fabric of everything that's American. And uh, uh, but let me let me share with you the numbers that uh, this particular Axios article uh, provides. It says that Latinos account for nearly 18 percent of the U.S. labor force and own one in seven small businesses. This is in the United States, okay? But they occupy just 4% of executive roles and less than 3% of Fortune 1000 board seats. In other words, we're, we're nowhere to be seen in the major corporations and we need to be seen in the major corporations to get there we have to have a very strong education there are two things that that are absolutely essential to survive in life the ability to communicate and the ability to do math and if you lack both of those you're going to be uh, handicapped if you will for the rest of your life because you're not going to be able to move up the ladders. Now, Cindy uh, Benavides, who is CEO of the League of uh, United uh, Latin American uh, Citizens, which is the oldest Latino organization in the United States, she says, this is completely abysmal. Latinos make up one in five Americans today and we're invisible in the biggest corporations. And of course, these inequities are, are extremely stark, and it's something 
that we need to begin to address. And for those of you that want to uh, look into uh, into this particular article further, it's called The Broken Pipeline for Latino Executives, written by Erica Pandley. And uh, this is for Axios. Uh, one of the things that you can do, by the way, is you can also go to our Facebook page, Coast to Coast Latino Group, uh, where we post all these articles on a daily basis uh, to give you as much information as possible on everything that's happening Latino throughout the entire nation. So Coast to Coast Latino Group on Facebook, if you get a chance, uh, one other thing uh, we do want to cover before our time is up, and that is what is going on with our presidential uh, elections. Yes, the president continues to challenge uh, the election. He did a 46-minute uh, uh, video that came out a, a couple of days ago. Some of us actually sat there and watched it, and I don't know why I watched it, because it was filled with what he's good to do and that is lie when he is frustrated he lied about uh the uh, the conspiracies he is pushing this thing so hard this conspiracy thing so hard he's going to be doing a presentation uh tomorrow saturday in georgia the republican party doesn't want him to show up in georgia because he has scared republican voters to the point where Republican voters are now threatening elected Republicans in Georgia, physically threatening them. Uh, and in addition to that, you have Republican voters that are telling uh, the two candidates that are run, uh, involved in the runoff for the U.S. Senate seat in Georgia that they are going to boycott it. They're not going to support the election. They're not going to vote. Okay, so this thing is starting to backfire, and Republicans throughout the U.S. are realizing that Donald Trump has become a cancer within their organization, within their political party. So, very interesting. Anyway, I want to thank you for joining me this Friday on Coast to Coast Latino. We are sponsored by the Vida de Oro Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to the arts and enhancing the community we will be back on wednesday in our wednesday edition of uh, coast to coast latino we certainly appreciate you taking time to visit us and listening to this podcast this is our 36th podcast and uh, if you get a chance visit us on our website at coasttocoastlatino.com that's coast to coast latino.com again my name is adrian perez Stay safe, wear a mask, do social distancing, protect yourself, and protect your family. Take care.